When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation. And boy, is it ever The Next Generation. Can't think of a more fitting title for this episode. As we start to gather more cast from The Next Generation, as we start to gather more music from The Next Generation, more visuals... It's all here, Aaron. Uh, what do you think of this first episode? Uh, it's oh god, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, seeing Picard and Riker back together again is really fun. Um, oh, it's yeah. weird, but there's uh, um, and they you know they have like a natural chemistry. Um, Riker doing Riker things is really funny. Um, Riker's former starship, the USS Titan, I think is a spectacular Federation starship design. It looks sexy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love it. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff, though. I feel like if you think for like two seconds about the plot thus far, um, it seems kind of dumb and ridiculous. Oh, no. Uh, I, I don't know. One second about it. I don't I don't know how I feel about action, Beverly. Okay. You know, Uh like her slinging a phaser shotgun and taking automatic disruptor fire and just doing this one. And also, she's she's left the crew for 20 years and hasn't spoken to anyone. Yeah, I got to know why. I mean, it's it's a good, like, intrigue hook for me. Like, what? Why would she do this? Yeah. Because is this intriguing? She had a love child with Picard, and she left for 20 years, and she's been raising that kid for 20 years. Because that's that's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. You're assuming this is Picard's child. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched ahead, but this guy Mm -hmm. with an outrageous British accent pops out of Beverly roughly 20 years ago at the time she went no contact (laughs) with the whole group. Okay, accents are not hereditary. How... How would this work? I but think it, I don't know that the producers <laughs> of Picard know that. They might not. They might not. Maybe Beverly's deliberately taught him with a British accent to kind of like, you know, make sure <laughs> he, weird he's in touch with his French heritage. Uh-huh, his French, uh-huh. his proud Frenchman with the English yeah. accent. And she taught him to drink beer so he can be in touch with his French winemaking roots. Right. 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 Yeah, that's even funnier now that I mentioned it, that like it's he it, it, it shouldn't have an English accent. What the fuck? Not unless she moved to England, but or mm. you know somewhere there. So yeah, it's a mixed bag. How what, what, how'd you find it? I find it very much like the previous two seasons where we were like, okay, yeah, I see this. This could be a good season of Star Trek. You know, it's it's got a lot of the uh, a lot of interesting hooks for me. I mean, I I. I'm trying not to to guess too much about what's actually going on here, but I think I, I'm curious to see two things. A, why did Beverly essentially renounce any relationship she had with the cast of TNG or the crew of, of the Enterprise? And B, 
it, maybe I should remember this from season two, but I remember basically nothing from season two. Uh, it, am I supposed to understand why Riker's family would like some time away from him? No. Okay, no. that's the other the other hook that I'm interested in hearing about. Because that's like I'm like, oh god, can't any of you guys keep it together? What the fuck? Is, you used to be <laughs> right. Starfleet officers. You had a shipboard counselor. You had mm-hmm. you had therapist free provided. How the hell did you guys end up in this sad state? Like I expect this shit from uh-huh. Kirk, not from you, Riker, not from you. Maybe it's my, about dinner. In, Maybe it was pizza. You're in my every shrine night. of positive positive masculinity up here in the studio. You can't mm-hmm. you can't be fucking running your wife and kids off because you've got ang- <laughs> you're angsty all of a sudden. The hell, the hell. I, it was just too many pizza dinners. I think is what what happened. Used to but, fuck Orion girls on Rise of Three at a time, and now now you, you you can't you can't keep Deanna happy for five seconds. What the hell? What the hell happened well, to you, Riker? Maybe maybe that's why. But well, uh, well I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm curious about those two hooks. Uh, another question. Jesus, am I supposed to know whose ship this is at the end, or is it just a big ship, a big scary looking ship? It's it clearly looks real familiar piece to me of the the hellish red flaming fighters of the the of the the death bird mask people that attacked Beverly in the beginning but like they, oh yeah yeah it's wild that I don't think they've really introduced a primary antagonist yet like, well, it'd be I, like I was trying to think like oh, is this something from Nemesis that I don't remember is this like some some ship be. from like one of the reboots uh, where be. it's like or, or it is does this look like a little a bit Borg? like a Romulan mining vessel. You know, <laughs> apparently they look like that. Yeah, I, I really I couldn't place it. But the the scene, the vibe of that scene is telling me I should be able to like. Oh, really? I, I should know where the ship is, like what the ship is. But maybe not. Maybe it's just, oh, this is a big, scary ship. Yeah, I was going to say, was that because that's the vibe I picked up? Like, look at the size of this thing, like how obviously menacing and spider like it is and how it's like God Beverly shipping its jaws and you're fucked now. Like, I, I didn't this, think like it oh, might be something a- from lower decks. I Oh. Mm, I, I can't remember, uh, even though I just well, watched said, that like a year ago. You said in the preview, I'm not sure if it made it on the air of some we were discussing pre-pod, but in the preview coverage, you mentioned that uh, there's a lot of like riffs on Lower Decks, like the Titan is Riker's ship in that. And, yeah, he's captain of it in Lower yeah. Decks. I don't know what happened between now and then if he just like... Because Lower Decks is canon, correct? Like there, it's intended to I be canon? So. I, I mean, they're if not, they're they're retconning it to be canon here. That this used to be his old chip, yeah. Wild. All right. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I enjoyed like the same things you did, right? Seeing Riker and Picard uh, riffing with each other—that's always fun. I think. Look, Rafi's always probably going to annoy me, but we got rid of a couple of the elements that that teamed up with her to really annoy me, which mm. is Elnor and the, the Soji stuff. Uh, yeah. All that stuff seems to be gone in favor of bringing in the new TNG, the old TNG cast into this yeah. new season. And I'm here yeah. for it so far. I, I, I hope they keep Rafi around just so I can individually see the reaction to her calling Jean-Luc JL. <laughs> I, 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 I'm expecting full spit takes from every one of the bridge crew. Uh-huh. Like like Worf is the center sipping prune juice and she drops jail. You know, he's at, he's in the <laughs> right and, in the, around and the conference a, table. A quiet moment. Jordy's like, you know, I tried that JL thing with him once. Did mm-hmm. not fly. How no, did you do it? No. No. Yeah. Not enough snake leaf in the Alpha Quadrant to make God, Jordy's the last person who should call him JL. If anybody would be Riker, <laughs> yeah, but he never right? did. 
He'd be a GL though, right? He's not a he's a Geordi, not a Geordi. Oh, oh. I wasn't even thinking about his initials. Oh, yeah, really? Card I was calling him JL because he didn't know how to spell Jordy. But the other thing is, like, you mentioned that, like, in the previous seasons of Picard in the first episode or two were like, you know what? This could I wonder if I'm actually mentally grading on a curve that, like, yeah, there's nothing on the face of it offensive in this episode. It's just, like, this is the before the the bottom falls out but i don't know i got because i i I am excited to see uh like i think that's that's a great star trek plot the old guard has gotten old and we're paid we're we're making some jokes at their expense and we're giving them one last adventure that's essentially true yeah yeah rathacon i mean honestly all those like like (laughs) rathacon every star trek movie voyage home undiscovered country all have that basic hook and it's a good hook it's a good hook. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the bottom falling out, uh, this portal gun that they're using, I thought that was pretty sweet. I, I don't know yes. what this is all about yet, uh, but I think they used it to take out like Starfleet recruitment offices. Yeah, and some, not exactly a backwater, but it wasn't exactly no. Starfleet Academy in San Francisco, planet Earth. I just think the landscape looked... Very San Francisco, but they that can't be Starfleet headquarters. I've seen. No, Starfleet they mentioned it was it was a different planet. It's sector it's sector seven of a of the same Meridian oh. Six or whatever that she was on at the beginning. Okay, um, Metallus yeah, Prime. No, yeah, I I think that like sometimes Star Trek Doomsday weapons leave a little bit, you know. But that's the other thing is like, is this? They had the Genesis device that can literally nuke an enemy's homeworld mm-hmm. and remake it into a paradise for of your choosing. Like teleporting four or five city blocks up into the air and smashing it down another four or five blocks. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. Can't can't like a like a fleet of twenty five starships essentially glaze the surface of any planet. But yeah. it is super cool yeah. to look at. It is super cool to look at. What if this is a test run? This is like the small scale. Test for a whole planet but, but into how, itself. Yeah, how are you gonna do that? Like, I mean, we've had the we've since had the Sun Crusher already. That's what the Malcolm. But McDowell you can't portal half with. a planet, right? Like, if you portaled half a planet, it would just press against the other half of the planet. Well, True. unless you portal it away and you then portal I, it into the sun. Yeah, portal it into the sun. Yeah, so half of it burns and the other half spirals away and freezes. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's something bigger. I don't know. Um We'll see. The, these these seasons do have a way of getting away from them, uh, both in storyline and scale. So yeah. we'll see. There, there's like I said. Seen, turn, turns out, uh, what they're really good at is disconnected episode by episode, week by week, episodic content. Because Star Trek: mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds is pretty badass. Turns out, we'll see yeah. if they can maintain a narrative for ten ten episodes with this uh, the crew of the the next generation. I hope so. I'm definitely looking forward to bringing them back into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should get into the recap. What do you think? Let's do it. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. 
Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Apple TV is releasing a new series based on Blake Crouch's novel, Dark Matter. Aaron and I are big fans of his work, so we're picking up the new show on day one. Join us this Wednesday for the preview podcast. The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part podcast on the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. He's a stuntman tasked with finding the star of his ex-girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom-com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Captain on the Bridge, welcome back to the Podcast Maneuver. All right, we start off with, uh, the we're in the 25th century. Dr. Beverly Crusher is attacked on her ship. The Helios, Elios. I thought Uh, she said Helios, but then I also thought she said Elios a few times too. I think it's Elios. I think I saw it in text uh, at Uh, one point. She manages to fight off the intruders, but she's injured in the process. More ships are inbound to attack. So she puts out a distress call to Admiral Jean-Luc Picard and then flees. Yeah, um, I think it's cool. They start off in this like peaceful, serene Federation vessel and it's gentle blues and whites. And then it's beset by these just visually coded hellish starships. They almost look like they're on fire. Um, But even though the outside of the ship is bright and shiny, the inside still looks like aliens. 
You know, uh-huh. it's in disrepair. There's flickering fluorescent lights. Uh-huh. There's like dripping pipes. Like, what the fuck has been going on in the starship that it looks like this? Um, also, the other mystery is like, it seems like even though Beverly Car- Crusher has gone no contact with all of her former friends and allies, she is obsessed with them. She's just living in the past. Yeah. She's listening to what it turns out are Picard romance mixtapes. <laughs> Picard mixtapes. She's listening to old logs of him talking about the Borg, which is weird. Right she's pounding Romulan ale uh-huh. as she's getting out her uh, her widowed what her dead husband's uh, suitcase luggage out. Um, she's having a real nostalgia attack right before she this is. physical attack. Apparently, she is. Because yeah, I, also I, I think... love the way they set it up. We're just kind of panning over all these things, and you see like, yeah. oh, there's an away team award that somebody's won. There's a hypo spray on the table, and then you see, you know, Lieutenant Commander Jack Crusher, and you're like, oh, okay, I know who this is. Yeah, yeah. And then it shows her. I thought she looked. I I thought Gates McFadden looks great. I've always had oh, a soft spot for Miss McFadden. Uh, I think she looks particularly fetching in this like Wrath of Khan era science jacket. That's exactly what this looks like, right? Oh. Like the away team jackets they used to wear. They had those burgundy ones, but it's got that distinctive like, you know, white wool breast. It's got like the stripes through it. She looks a lot like uh, what was uh, Kirk's old slam piece? Uh, <laughs> uh, Carol. <laughs> Which one? Daver, the one that invented the um, the Genesis device. Mm hmm. And I kept on uh, thinking, yep, uh, it's Carol. It's Carol, right? The Carol da- Davers or something. Anyway, um, I kept on thinking of her and David, Kirk's son, stuck on the Genesis planet because she's dressed like that. And she's mm-hmm. got this young dude who I'm certain is going to turn out to be the bastard son of the captain. Mm-hmm. And it seems like visually they're coding her that way. They don't tell us his name. What do you think his name is? Is it? JL the second Luke it's Luke Jean Luke Jean Luke Jean Luke Jean yeah probably uh, so I, I like all that but then when she gets like this again what is a a pump action phaser what are we doing here Jim I want to say uh, also I, I'm loving the the Star Trek first contact hair she's got going oh, this is yeah. this is the Beverly Crusher look that I've been enjoying now for a lot longer than the <laughs> far more frizzy TNG look. Um, but seriously, a pump, a action, pump action phaser rifle compared to so, so it's not it's obviously not Federation issue, right? This is like weapons that are, are hanging around on the ship as best oh, I can I tell. They looked, Federation, I thought they look Federation issue. Really? Because they're not yeah. shooting what you think of as phasers. They're shooting like energy. Well, blasts. the guys aren't, but the but Crusher's got this this phaser shotgun. Again, looks like it's. You don't think the thing that she's shooting looks like a Federation issue? When have you ever seen Federation issue weapons deatomize somebody? Like they just. I mean, maybe that's when the new flavor of Star kill? Trek. But like, like, don't people disappear when they're dis? They're like you literally are disintegrated at the highest level of phaser fire. Gee, what are we, the Klingons now? Come, Jesus, man. What <laughs> does the Federation become? Dudes, man. They, they always just like they had a lethal setting that would just kill you, and they also had a setting that would like literally vaporize your ass. They'd disappear. Yeah. I, like they, I they know. don't usually the, show the, the, kill the, disappears the dirt them, and smoke left over to grease these spots. That's the thing. There's usually but, not something for Riker to, to rub his hands in and taste. Right. I, yeah. I don't know what the fuck he's doing with that ash. <laughs> this is a class. This is a class M humanoid with. 
that's a machine oil Borg finish. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the, mm-hmm. what the fuck? She does just atomize these dudes. Yeah. Uh, but she they, also they need more weapons like the ones they're using though that fully auto uh holy sh- it is hellfire when they rain that down on her i and i and i like this is stupid there's no way she made it down that corridor without getting killed and it turns right, out right. she got riddled with phaser bullets or whatever the equivalent is she's but she's mm-hmm. she's not dead she's like shot in the she takes an early shot for to the shoulder but she gets shot in the the, the chest the stomach the thigh uh, she's in she's in bad bad shape um, yeah and she also locks this young man in in a in a room uh, a, mm-hmm. a private part before she's able to panic warp um yeah also like i never thought that star trek warp functioned like star wars warp did like mm-hmm. star wars when you get the hyperdrive star wars you're just gone they mm-hmm. it's very hard to track you unless you have a device it's like you go into another world and you're gone i thought ships could be tracked in star trek hyperspace they can occasionally they can even be transported to while they're in then i don't know how the hell beverly and maybe beverly only got away for like 30 seconds before jean-luc and Riker stumbled on their new position but it seems like there were several hard takes his sweet time getting there it's it's it feels like those guys would have just been like oh she's heading this direction we'll be right on her ass like yeah but that doesn't happen nope it doesn't uh maybe they have new technology on their warp drives. I don't know. Mm. Well, they're doing warp. They're ripping off warp 9.9. No, 9.99. That's fucking moving, dude. That's, yeah. Especially if if you're trying to pass this off as an inspection, it's like, really? We're going to push our yeah. engines to the theoretical max, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and I and like and, and then the I think that that's a logarithmic scale. So like mm-hmm. you're like oh warp nine point nine warp nine point nine nine. What's the big difference? That could be somewhere yeah. between a hundred and a thousand times faster. Like warp nine point nine, which so was they already that up in this episode too. Because like they? yeah, Picard's like well he he says to seven like double the warp, double the time or half the time to get there. We can be there mm-hmm. and back in the same amount of time. Right. No, it, you would be there in a second as opposed to 12 hours or whatever. Right, right, uh, right, right. Because it's not linear. But Star Trek nah. apparently abandons its technological rules from time and to time. And they also could have like re... Because they, they did that going from the old series to the new, the next generation. They refactored all the warp curves. So where like okay. you know, warp so 10 it's... was like infinite speed and then every, you know, like because mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out because like you know in the old enterprise they would go like warp 17 or occasionally when they're going really fast sure. so like well that's like what are you going to do like warp 100 where where do you so they they read i i don't think they i feel like they'd be going warp 17 if they were going to refactor they wouldn't be doing warp 9.99 but that's fast that's like right. this is um the march of technology continues to go on um mm-hmm. yeah what's the use of going warp 9.99 if it's all linear just go warp 10 exactly but- <laughs> apparently it's not so anyway um we go over to picard who's at chateau picard he has his favorite enterprise painting packed up to give to Jordy at the the museum some museum he's running uh he and laris chat for a bit about his feelings on his past and his future picard wants a new adventure and he seemingly gets one in the form of a coded distress signal from beverly coming in on his 20 year old tng com badge she says, Hellbird, Hellbird, no Starfleet, trust no one. 
and that's it. <laughs> right. Hellbirds. That's the name of those ships because they kind of look like hellbirds. Maybe. Um, so the idea is Laris is going to a diplomatic post and Picard is liquidating Chateau Picard to follow her. He's liquidating it? Why is he selling oh. all this shit? Like, because it's like, this isn't like his he was taking it with him. This but... is his ancestral home. Mm-hmm. Is he taking it with him? Oh, maybe I, that's I he was he's trying to take it with up. him. Oh, I see. And But everything won't fit, so he's giving away some choice things to his friends. I thought I the tone so. that I got was he's giving away, like, everything. And also, like, <laughs> Laris is countermanding everything anyway. Like, he's like, oh, send this to Joe. You might that, be right, because you know? he says, like, these things don't matter. But is she saying, like, oh, you need to take your flute, your magical flute with you? But yeah. he's like, these things don't matter. She's saying, don't sell your magical flute. And he's saying these things don't matter. I don't know. I think it's like the tenor is like he is not looking backwards. He's looking to the future. He doesn't want to. He doesn't care. He doesn't Obviously, give a shit about his yeah. legacy. He just wants He just wants a new adventure. I'm um, not a man who needs a legacy, uh, says the man with the widest, fattest, swingingest legacy of all. <laughs> right. That everyone can't stop talking about in every season. Um, uh, the, the, the problem with Laris is I don't care. Um, she has gotten maybe two and a half episodes of character development in the entire run of Picard. Uh, right. None of it counted last year because that wasn't Laris. That was some that kind was of launcher top that was uh-huh. coincidentally looked like Laris. Um, <laughs> How stupid. I, How stupid. Yeah, like I don't understand why they sidelined her for so much. She should have just been part of the adventure so that I could believably, but they're just like, well, uh, Picard's got this hot Romulan war refugee that he put to work on his plantation in some kind of work program. Yeah, they should have just and, made her and they fell a in love. Yeah. And then well, make her the watcher, right? Like how give that, her that... the give her the gravitas and the importance in the universe to match Picard's thick, veiny legacy. But I don't know. Or That's just, just me. Yeah, I don't know. There's like I they yeah. I just I I I just the, the just so there's there's the Laris problem of me like you know they're having these long intense conversations and it doesn't hit nearly as well as like a conversation he would have with even seven of nine even though they don't know each other that much too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real problem is like this is where I'm saying like if you don't if you think about this thing for more than three seconds it's so stupid. And the thing is, I why is Be- uh, this Beverly's is my least favorite. Sending a message to Picard's 20-year-old comm badge. Like, what if he wasn't going through all of his shit about Mm -hmm. to pack up and leave? What if this was just beeping in some storage shed? His hollow storage, right? He had scanned the pattern buffers and stored it away. Which we know he does. They Uh established that in season one, that the majority of his possessions are a digital matrix in some fucking Starfleet archive. Right. Yeah, it's it's a big, stupid risk. Maybe it's the only way she knows how to get a hold of him. Because she hasn't, she hasn't been in touch. She doesn't know where well, she, he is. And she doesn't trust Starfleet. Him. So, like the idea she's using, right. the, but she's using Starfleet's right. com badge network. That's twenty. I just, I'm like, oh my god, this seems very convenient that this is all going to work. This seems it like is. a desperate also, hail mary from Beverly. But also, maybe it sending is. sending him messages that are coded in a way that he couldn't possibly understand or know. Because he, he wasn't yeah. around during the Hellbird fiasco. He have to and go she knows to that. Riker, LaForge, somebody to decode but this thing. But she says trust no one. Uh-huh. So, like, 
I don't know, man. I Trust don't know. no one and decipher this message you couldn't possibly decipher alone. Yeah. This is like boomer relationship goals. Like the woman just assumes <laughs> the man is going to figure that some of these instructions are optional and, you know, that the, he really means that the yes Jesus. means no and a no means it's. I don't know. I don't know because uh, she says, don't go to Starfleet, trust no one, but secretly, eh, I guess Riker's okay. And, right. oh, okay, Worf. And LaForge. LaForge, of course, LaForge. Uh, right, right. And I guess you're going to need Diana. Troy. Diana. And yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Seven. I don't know who she is, but maybe Seven. Yeah, I've never literally <laughs> met Seven in my life. But, but yeah, she could be trusted too. Yeah. All right. You're right. The setup is not amazing, but also it's intriguing. I'm willing mm. to go with it. Look, I'm not here for the the tight plotting. I'm here for the characters and their interactions and the fun that I hope that's going to be. All right. Uh, yeah, so speaking of deciphering this message, Picard and Laris are trying to decipher it. Uh, they're sitting down, they're chatting. Laris says, look, the one thing I know as a Romulan spy, she's asking for your help, and she encourages him to go to her, and he promises to return. So I don't care, but... <laughs> This is uh-huh. a five-minute-long scene. What's Alaris's emotional state in this? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's it's one of like, look, we are who we are. I know, I know who you are, and I know you're not gonna just sit here. And if I tell you that you shouldn't go, it, there's no way you're gonna listen to me. And I've accepted that. But do you, do you think there's any jealousy with the Beverly situation? Because I, I wasn't, thought I, I wasn't reading it, but it maybe. it played to me like Picard said, "My old high school school sweetheart just sent me a private message on Facebook and wants to meet for dinner." Mm-hmm. And Laris is like, "Well, I'm a modern Romulan woman, and I know it's not acceptable for me to put my foot down and say no, mm-hmm. but." <laughs> I want to make sure we talk about the fact that you guys used to be crew, used to be close, you tried to be lovers, all tried, I don't know, and and uh, I, I don't know, there's something, like, it made me feel like she was letting him go against her better judgment, and I'm just like, I just, God, these well, guys just got that. together six months ago, um, and like, yeah, there's but, some of that subtext. Picard's not a horn dog. Like my God, no. he's a ninety-year-old android at this point. He's not. He's very. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always forget that. And then occasionally yeah. it'll it'll slap me in the face, and I'll go, "Wait, I'm watching a robot, Picard." Uh, yeah, I just couldn't tell if she's having a, a, a fit of jealousy or if she was just sad that he she thought he was finally going to like semi-retire and you know like uh, he'd be her second banana or something, and now she's not going to. I don't know. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, there's look, he's he's a 90 plus year old man, 100 plus. I don't, I don't know how old he's supposed to be at this point, man, uh, rushing headlong into a new adventure that they're not even sure the parameters of yet. Right. This is not like right. Go to Riza and make sure that Commander Riker gets laid or something. Right. This is there's a nebulous message that came in. I got to follow this lead. So she, I think right. she's scared that her, her line about like. He says, oh, I'll be back in a few days, maybe sooner. And she says, maybe longer. And I, I like that line because it's giving him permission to to seek, to seek play through this adventure however it needs to go. Not to feel yeah. like he's on a time limit. Not to feel like he's abandoning her, neglecting her. And she'll keep the seat warm for him, right? <laughs> yeah. When he wants to come it, back. 
it does feel inconvenient that she's even around because like honestly totally. i kind of want the possibility of beverly and picard banging the the hang over this entire season and mm. i want to feel good about it and i guess they've introduced laris yeah she seems really cool and it would be a really big betrayal if that happens but i'm not going to stop yeah. rooting for it so i'm really conflicted as a fan and then if this is jl's kid i mean then boy that just kicks into high gear right yeah yeah i think so so i yeah i don't know um it's a it's a pretty sweet scene but yeah it's it's hard to not imagine there's some kind of uh tension there all right um he goes to Riker uh at uh, to meet Riker at Guinan's bar ten forward and he clues him into Beverly's message Riker deciphers the word hellbird immediately as a caesar cipher cuz it's a caesar cipher you decipher those immediately uh <laughs> yeah, from right. from their past and he uses it to find the location that Beverly wanted to point them to I love that the Borg used the same technology to encrypt the Enterprise's navigational systems as you would to keep your journal <laughs> loosely hidden from your parents. Like as you an eight-year-old, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll shift every letter three positions off. Always three. It'll never be more uh-huh. or less or any kind of algorithm. It's just going to be mm-hmm. like, wow, how long did it take Data to crack that code, guys? He can memorize 256-bit <laughs> encryption keys and break them in his head. How long uh-huh. did it take him to do the rot three? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a joke of an encryption. But look, she's working on a, under duress here, you know? And like, what's the first cipher I can think of? Caesar. Let's do it. And you can disrespect her encryption, but you can't disrespect the fucking transition in this scene where they smoothly dissolve from the amazing Enterprise D painting to mm-hmm. the Enterprise D <laughs> drink garnish that Guyana is slinging out on, on Frontier Day. Yeah, yeah, Guinan's hawking starships, and then apparently the fat one, oh, the Enterprise so... D, is not uh, cherished by people. I, it's my favorite of the Enterprises, so fuck you people yeah, of the Federation. I, I got a little hot. I got a little hot with the bartender <laughs> when she says, oh, no one wants, because that, this, this is the candy of the episode. Uh, Riker uh-huh. goes up, this young girl, and he's talking her up. And she's like, oh, I wouldn't think Guy would stoop to like selling Enterprise D trinkets. Like, oh, it's for Frontiers Day. He's like, why? And she's like, we got all the ships. He's like, well, why do you got so many? We needed these. Mm-hmm. Well, no one wants the fat ones. <laughs> and you know, John, it's good for Jonathan Frakes because he is uh, not as felt as he used to be. He's put on a few pounds since he put, you know, he wore the. Oh, is he taking this personally? I think I so. He was just taking it personally because he served on the ship and no that one likes too. the ship. But... That too, but I oh. think this is a this is a um, <laughs> this is a referendum on on Riker's hotness. What's wow. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's lost much of his fastball. Yeah, I would be lucky to look half as good as he does at his age. Yeah, yeah. When when Picard says, "Oh, it's very much the handsome elder statesman," I was like, "Yep, yep." He's uh. He's still killing it. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Dan is pissed at him. He just will not stop Tom catting around, and sure. he always blames Tom. That's the thing. Oh, that was Thomas Riker, baby. No, you just <laughs> you didn't see him. You didn't see me in the Starfleet Gazette with my pants off. That was that was that damn Thomas. <laughs> All my bad parts got teleported off to me, uh-huh. uh, and onto uh-huh. that guy. You can trust me, Deanna. Trust me. We're in Zadi. You know, we got that connection. God. Uh, yeah, yeah, so like you said, we find out that there's something going on with him and his family, including his daughter. Like, why wouldn't she want him around? 
Wild. Won't stop putting rabbit on pizza, man. Apparently. Or uh, some the, pineapple. The location that Beverly's sending them to is a problem because it's just outside of Federation space, and they don't have a ship, and they can't go to Starfleet, but Riker volunteers to get him a ship. And they, they leave, and we see that there's a guy watching him, too. Yeah, goofy-looking dude, disrespecting Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. Uh, dunking in At least drink. he bought one. It's true. The fat one. Yeah. That's, Where, like, I guess, because, like, I'm with you. I think the Enterprise D is about the sexiest-looking starship ever. That's beautiful. But I guess, I bet kids today, dude, that, that's what they think. It's the fat, goofy-looking one. It does look dude, very... It looks as dated as the Enterprise, the 1701 original looks nowadays you're right looked in in that day right like i looked at the old enterprise i was like ah it's so plain it's it doesn't have any curves it's too Mm -hmm. the curves it does have are just circles with the slight taper right yeah i I, the most basic curve ever circles (laughs) uh. right get pythagoras up in here let's see what he can do uh yeah here's the thing about the enterprise d it is just as sexy. The The silhouette of that ship is just as sexy as the conference room chairs of that ship, the conference room walls, the table in the conference room. When, when I think of the Enterprise D, I think of that carpeted chairing, the carpeted walls, the glass table with the mahogany border, the hotel lobby bridge. It, it it's, it's outdated. It was outdated mm-hmm. when it was made. Yep. It's definitely outdated now, but it is it is beautiful in its outdatedness. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm with you. I love the D. I you heard it here first. I love the D. I like apparently I like a little fat on my starships. Mm-hmm. I like them curvy. Uh then check out the nacelles on on the Enterprise original. <laughs> uh we go to Mtalus Prime. Yeah, they got my favorite type of nacelles. Warp drives in one end and antimatter reactor on the other (laughs) (laughs) all right right. keep going keep going yeah mtalus prime district six rafi she scores what i assume is snake leaf from a dealer and then goes back for some more information she says ah desperate for the info i gotta man i was in starfleet i got i got kicked out i need to get myself back in and this is a leverage i need and she pays handsomely so the her contact her dealer Gives her information about some stolen Daystrom technology, but it's coded. He says something's going down with the Red Lady. Rafi leaves, and then we see this was all a ruse. Eh, 90% of this was a ruse. She calls into Starfleet (laughs) to request a debriefing and some more money. So she's still definitely in Starfleet. But but she also looks at this snake leaf like, maybe if I just try a little... Is that what she dropped? It wasn't her combat, or it wasn't her communicator. No, it was a, a snake leaf yeah. thing. Okay, because um, yeah. I, I, it's funny because I sent you a text as I started watching the episode. And I'm like, God damn, Rafi can't get her shit together. Because I was kind of borderline scandalized. Like they yep. had Rafi kick the shit, get her life cleaned up back in Starfleet, <laughs> and now she's back on the snake leaf. And seven left her. Like it's- she, she's her girlfriend's left her. She's on a criminal planet. Uh-huh. Uh trying to score and she's talking about being strung out and she looks like shit and all that stuff. And I'm like, how can yep. they do this to a Starfleet <laughs> officer? And I feel like when she went in the alley and she stood up and straight and said, This is Starfleet Officer Commander Rafi, blah blah. And I'm like, Oh, they fucking got me. They, they fucking got, got me. me. 
I'm so like, mad. We're not the tropey racist. You are. And I'm like, God damn it. You got me. You got I'm me. so mad. I want to see Rafi brought low. I want to again. <laughs> I want to see Rafi go full There's circle. Still a lot of season left, Jim. Like an and enterprise, would... like an original enterprise nacelle go full circle right back to the snake leaf. She was looking at that snake leaf like it was a Polaroid of seven to nine. You know, that was. OK, I'm holding out hope that seven did actually leave her. That that part of the story was true. They're certainly split up, or they're in some kind yeah. of weird remote. <laughs> well, they're, they're hey, in if the our, Picard if our, if our relationship survives this seven year mission, then then we'll see. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it, we'll we'll see how it goes with Rafi. She, she it might be good, might be annoying. I have bones to pick later, but we'll talk about them. All right. Uh, let's go back to Riker and Picard. They go over their plan as they approach a starbase. It involves faking an inspection to uh, commandeer a refit of Riker's old ship, the USS Titan, to reroute it where they need to go. Oh, beautiful Starbase. Talk about that old school Starbase look. This is this is the Starbase of your dreams. Oh, yeah. Right? Those big old, like, discs with those pods sticking out the side. Uh, yeah. Majestic. Great. Powerful. Mm-hmm. There's a, a nice... A pretty funny moment here with Riker and Picard where Riker's like, come on, we can do this. Show me your inspection face. You know, that one where you're being a stern old bastard who you know, intimidates people. And Picard looks over at him like, oh, I've had enough of this. And he's like, yes, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, no, it's really good. The Titan looks great. I So is this literally a refit of the old Constitution classes? Because uh, they're all so, yeah. unrecognizable. Constitution is what he calls it. God, that's over a hundred year old ship. That'd mm-hmm. be like, I don't know, fucking get the ironclads from the Civil War out of Mothball because what what the fuck? Can they just not build new ships? I, I think they have because the old Titan looks, if not identical to this, then very similar. Like the one from gotcha. Lower Decks is uh-huh. very close to this. Uh, also a great looking ship. I want to say the Constitution class has probably been rebuilt many times. Hmm. Um, but still, but I don't know, because you always like change classes pretty much. Yeah. Did, did you always change classes when the Enterprise was rebuilt? I don't know if that's true. I think there were maybe a couple of galaxies. No, because like yeah, the NCC one seven zero one one seven zero one was destroyed at the end of Search for Spock, and they got one seven zero one A, which was also a Constitution class. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so you don't. So you you can rebuild the ship and make it look different without changing the class. So. That must be what they've done here. Huh. But this is a new class entirely. Neo-Constitution. Neo-Constitution. Is it like when when Ford rolls out the Mustang and it's like not really the same car, it's just got the same badge, you know? Like bringing back a a, a banger, a a tried and true model name. This thing is purportedly an exploration ship. It looks like a battleship. I mean, this thing is They all do. Kind of, except for yeah. except for D. Honestly, Enterprise D is the less the least military looking of the starships. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Might be. Yeah, this this thing looks like it will it will take on defiance and and anything you can throw at it. Borg. Yeah, but it's got it's got to be a middle of the road ship. It's not like the flagship. It's not like a battleship. It's just. I mean, Jesus Christ! If it's a refit Constitution. It's kind of wild that it's the fastest thing, or maybe, uh, yeah, it's, it's like warp nine point nine nine fast, or is this kind of like middle of the road speed for this era? I don't know. Seems don't know. fast to me. It's the thing I don't watch a lot of the new Star Trek, so 
I'm not up on their warp technology. Did you introduce us to Seven yet? No, they're about to. So okay. they board the Titan. They're greeted by First Officer Seven or Annika Hansen. Uh, she warns them that Captain Shaw wants to have a dinner with them later and then brings them to the bridge where they meet Ensign Crash LaForge and then they get underway at warp 9.99. Um, so they're coding that this captain's a massive asshole because he dis, you know, like he's got these distinguished guests and he doesn't even bother to meet them. Mm-hmm. Summons them to dinner, which he's going to turn this out. This is the auto high tower form of yes. guests. Yes, as being a real asshole. Uh, he's making Annika use her non-preferred, like, not even pronouns, her fucking name. It's like yeah. uh, going and be like, oh, Commander Ali, it's so nice to see you. Uh, my captain prefers to go by Commander Cassius Clay. It's like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, you can't even name yourself whatever the fuck you want to name yourself. But it turns out he's a raging anti-Borgus, too. He's oh, got a yeah. Grind, he's got a grind. He's got an axe. It must be hell to be his first officer as a, as a former Borg. But uh, this guy strikes me as a guy who doesn't have many friends. It's just wild that Starfleet officers would be like they're in 20 years. They've gotten bigoted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, like I, I guess things can change. Like Moors can change that just that fast. But it's just always wild to me to see modern Trek and how kind of like yeah, I don't fucking like it. ball it is. Yeah. I really don't like it. I mean, that's one of the big overarching things they've done with Star Trek lately that I'm not a fan of. The mm-hmm. Federation used to be something to aspire to. Now it's just mired in our own yeah, bullshit. Yeah, the same bullshit. That, yeah, exactly. I thought we advanced beyond this as a race, as a species. Speaking right? of advancing beyond, uh, Riker unconscionably bullies poor LaForge's daughter. <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh. and the, the look on her face is not like, oh, I get it. I'm rich. She's like mortified that like these Starfleet legends have come on. Uh, probably embarrassed to mm-hmm. just know that you know there's gonna put a lot of big shot, uh, bright light on her anyway. And then Riker is just like, "Didn't you flunk out of Starfleet Academy? Right? Because you couldn't mm-hmm. stop crashing." Uh, <laughs> shut- which also, we've seen how you fly a shuttlecraft. It's like flying an uh, an, an iPad. How the yeah. hell do you crash in Starfleet Academy, mind you? How do you fucking crash a, a shuttlecraft? Especially with all their new automated engineering systems, you yes. would think they'd have some Tesla-like ability to stop you from crashing, crashing? a shuttle. Right. Yeah. But apparently know. not. Or maybe she turned all the safeties off and, and went. Like to she manual. did, like a Wesley Crusher, where they're doing the fl- the fighter pilot thing, and they're doing like the Death Blossom, and someone yeah. dies, and that that's Ugh. one thing. But you just it's like it's like I don't know, getting in a fiery wreck in your mom's minivan. Like how? What did you do? <laughs> On our, you just were, ran down uh-huh. to Kroger and you flipped the thing over three times that got on fire. Out of <laughs> how'd you even do that? She went to the Lori School of Driving, Lori Grimes School of <laughs> right. Driving, right? School In of space crashing, too. Really. Uh-huh, it's really hard to harder. crash into shit. Yeah, I will say this does feel like a real Star Trek moment here. Like having an admiral and another captain coming onto the bridge of a ship for the first time, uh, and seeing everyone. You know, take note of that, but continue doing their jobs, being given the tour, uh, them deferring to the captain on duty. It, all of those things just bring me back to e- basically every single Star Trek movie. Yeah, like, that is a staple. And they even have the really bosun's felt whistle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really felt like a, a Star Trek moment there. I was and, digging it. Uh, Picard inspecting everyone's uniforms, just kind of twizzling. Their, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I, yeah, it's 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 pretty entertaining. 
Oh, yeah. However, one of the dumbest tropes in all of Star Trek is the pomp and circumstance on taking the ship out of okay. Stardock. You don't like this? It gives us an opportunity they, to see the ship and it's full of glory. It's, no, it's great, but like it's the way they act like it's the end all be all of captaining. Like if you graduate, oh, like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is the first time taker. You know, it's like going back to Wrath of Khan, Lieutenant Savick, take her out. And everyone's like worried <laughs> that she's gonna bend the fender. Uh-huh. Like I'm she's like, gonna mix up port and starboard or something. Yeah, <laughs> port to port. Like, Wait, shit, no, is it starboard? I don't know. She's easing a starship out of a star base. How the fuck could you ever mess this up? It's gotta be one of the <laughs> safest things you could ever do. Plus, essentially she's just giving orders. Right. Like maybe so you the- get you get nervous because Crash LaForge is at the helm, but <laughs> shit. Like if you can like yeah. it should be possible to wreck into Starbase. There should be like tractor beams and shit. The other thing Oh, for sure. They always fucking do this. Yep. Um yep. first of all, she plays chicken with the blast oars. Like this uh-huh. thing probably had a, a foot of clearance, you know. Uh-huh. Second, she takes it out on one quarter impulse power. Now I've always interpreted impulse power as a fraction of a speed of light. Okay. When they mm-hmm. say that you're going a quarter impulse, I'm like, oh, that's like a half, that's a quarter of the speed of light. This ship has maneuvering thrusters and tractor beams. Why the fuck are you taking this thing out of the garage at <laughs> a, a quarter impulse power? Yeah. Uh, it definitely know. doesn't look like you're traveling a quarter of the speed of light. It looks like you're traveling no. 40. No. 40 miles per hour. No, but I don't know. And so anyway, they do they do all that. But but right, I've never understood look... the blast door thing. Why do they have to squeak it out the doors when it's clear? Uh, I guess it's cold in space. It's cold in space. You don't uh, right. want to leave the door in. open. This, uh, your dad's this, yelled at you for the hundredth time. Starbase dad comes down like, uh-huh. oh, we heating the whole alpha quadrant now. <laughs> born in the barn. What? Yeah. <laughs> born, in the, born in the airlock. What the fuck? So, yeah, you got to be quick on the doors. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Riker and Picard have dinner with Captain Shaw. He mm, not so subtly and repeatedly insults them both for a bit. And then he they tell him, hey, we want to change course, go to the writing system. He refuses and then excuses himself. And that upsets Seven. I will say that leaving your captain's computer clogged up with your personal shit is pretty, pretty, pretty bush league, Riker. Format that yeah. drive before you leave. Come on. You want your well, minuet programs and your freewheeling, loosey goosey, Kentucky mash jazz, like clogging up another man's. Captain's but it's log. also incredibly petty to delete it when they have computers that can yeah. store all information ever right. acquired by humanity, probably in, right. in a thumb drive. It, how much, how much information could a few MP3s really take up? How much space yeah. in your hard drive are you really scrimping for? If you're yeah. deleting the jazz catalog. Yeah. Uh, here, I, here's one thing. We might be huge bigots and racists uh, and, and speciesists. Of course. Uh, in the future. Once again, but the one thing they haven't budged on is we don't eat meat. This guy isn't chopping up a steak. This guy's chopping up like some kelp steak. Sure. Uh, and and, eat, and dipping it in sauce and eating that. So at least we haven't fully regressed. That's true. How do you know? He might actually keep. <laughs> he might actually keep veal, like real veal <laughs> okay. on hand. They've they've gone full regressive and oh Starfleet. god, yeah. he's not even replicating it. He's just no, nah, they're eating ba- they're baby eating beans. cow slaughter. Oh. 
And not even, like I said, not just like veal, mm. baby cows, and like kept in pens. Uh-huh. It's terrible. Yeah, well, that's terrible. I do like, this is something I like a lot of uh, fiction about guys in boats, right? And mm-hmm. this is a classic dichotomy. The captains that got shit done, took their ships into battle, got things fi- fucked up, and the, the spit and polish captains that were more um cautious and they liked having their things all in order and they liked you know getting their ship back in one piece and you know you'd have like i like the idea that you've got one of these spit and polish captains who might have been like well if i was a wolf 359 but you weren't and he never gets to see any action and he's just got this massive mm-hmm. fucking hate boner against the guys that do or yeah. Maybe the Enterprise just really is an exceptionally reckless thing that, like, not every fucking Enterprise uh, Federation vessel runs into a thousand hostile alien species and wormholes and shit that, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a tension there because they're an exploration ship, right? Their mission is to seek out new strange things. So how do you plan for the new and strange uh, you can't anticipate what it'll be like. So you need guys like Riker and Picard out there. Right. Um, and you honestly, you need a Picard to temper a Riker at times. Right. Uh, Shaw goes out there on an exploration ship, which he's on, by the way. Like, the Titan is a ship of science meant to go out and explore the galaxy, which I don't know he's, that he's equipped for the job. I think when when he comes across the Q or a being like it, or a fucking energy being, or a nano being that's like adding three to every bit of his computer, he's going to not know what to do. What does he do if he finds Q? What's this guy do if he finds Q? This guy would be wrecked by Q. He would so mercilessly taunt him. Q would dismiss him him as a small-minded fool and like go find a Jean-Luc to torment. He wouldn't even... That's why he never runs into Q, because Q's like, this guy's a fucking... He's as interesting as corn on a turd. (laughs) Uh, so let me ask you this. So this, the funniest thing is, is like they set you up to like, this is, this is a classic Picard and Riker ruse. And they're going to hit him with the razzle dazzle to shake yep. and bake. Um, I thought the funniest thing is when he just turns him down cold. He's like, no, yep. you, none of you actually hold any real position in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got actual fucking orders that are actually, and, and he just like, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I love at it. It's what a good point setup. though, does he decide that? Did did Picard's Deep Space Four faux pas have anything to do with it, or was he? I don't think kinda, so. I don't either. I it think he was primed like it, to disrespect them and and not grant requests no matter what here because he yeah. doesn't like them personally and right. he's not going to disobey orders for them. Yeah, and even if you wanted to like call right, like he would be the kind of guy that would like, well, okay, sure, I'm going to verify these orders with Starfleet. Hold on. Um I guess the question is, how do they even get on the ship then? Because That's a good I don't question. think the think the inspection was ordered by Starfleet, right? This is a he fake is, I inspection. Mean, it is Captain Picard, man. Yeah, I think that uh, like General Seven, Mad Dog Mattis, he's like retired. He's not a Marine. Oh, well, I guess he's you're always a Marine. But if he shows up on a, like almost any military base in the world, any Marine naval base, and says, "I'm coming for surprise inspection," show me. Mm-hmm. The Lance Corporal is going to be like, well, let me fucking pick up the. I mean, maybe they would, maybe they would, but I, I don't know. Like, this isn't just any old fucking has been admiral, never was. He's John Luke Picard. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to say there are no holes in this episode. 
So <laughs> maybe this is one. But I will say that, like, because uh, one of the big things I had in the, like, how are they going to believably get the crew together? Because obviously mm-hmm. it's not going to be a Starfleet order. Having one of them in desperate trouble is like that is yeah. the search for Spock. Like uh, you, you call up anyone, the bridge crew and be like any of the others are in mortal peril. And all I know is they're in trouble and I got to be there. And it's like not not a single person, I think, hangs up the combat. They all answer mm-hmm. that call. So like they did. I think they did a good job of like not the mechanics. The inciting action was was believable. It, yeah. You, you, you bring the group back together to save Beverly. Absolutely. Yeah. Red alert. Here comes an ad break. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R.R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeny. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. Mission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. 
And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.ballmove.com for more info. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast maneuver. All right, let's go back over to Rafi. She attempts to set a personal meeting uh, face-to-face with her handler, but gets denied. She tr- She's trying to figure out the Red Lady Riddle. She's having no luck. She's spiraling. Uh, her handler kind of doesn't care, just says, uh, hey, there, I think an attack is imminent. Find the Red Lady. Uh, does Rafi actually it, know who she's talking to here? That's, that's, say, that's my number one She's talking to chat GPT. 25 <laughs> 15 right uh-huh like there's and no fucking way it. she's talking to a real person yeah or at least not the person she thinks she's talking to if it's real uh let's see this is how all of starfleet gets ran by romulan no yes. one does face to face everyone does zoom calls that are not even zoom calls that are ai agent meetings yeah this mm-hmm. is this is how i'm starting to see what's gone wrong with the federation yeah yeah, that face-to-face stuff is keeping us honest. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's just the vibe I get. Is like she's in way over her head, does not understand even the scenario she's she's part of here. Yeah, and there's like some kind of weird, dumb version of Carrot Stick where she's like, hey, I'm spiraling. And she also kind of makes an offhand comment about how, ba- how hard it is for a person with her background to be in this criminal mm-hmm. element and... Her handler then shows her Starfleet record. It's just like dishonorable discharge, assaulting an officer, history of paranoia, drug abuse. And then it's like, okay, fine, I'm a piece of shit. But it's like, no, you're a warrior and we're facing an act of war. Find a red lady. I'm like, that's yeah, wild, a wild thing for Starfleet to say. But I guess she's in a dirty trick squad. Yeah, she's some kind of black ops thing. Uh, we go back over to Picard and Riker. They chat from their cute little uh, ensign bunk beds. Their cadet bunk beds that they've been put in. The, another uh, insult that the guy said, it, oh, oh, I hope God. you don't mind your accommodations. They're the best we could do. And they just literally put him in a junior officer suite yeah. bunking. This guy's relentless uh, in his insults. Uh, they lament not talking with Beverly for over 20 years and they worry about her. And Seven calls him to the observation lounge and demands to know what's going on. Picard tells her all about it, and she knows she should help them. She gives this big speech, but it turns out she's already done it, and they've actually arrived at the Riton system uh, in that moment. They apparently found a ship inside the nebula, and Seven arranges for Picard and Riker to steal a shuttle. Yeah, I mean, I always thought Seven is wild that she left the Rangers. That seemed like a pretty bad, that seemed like a pretty badass role for her. Yeah. Maybe dangerous, but so yeah, is you're Starfleet. Not, you're kind times. of a loner. You're, you're, you're following your gut. And I also thought it was a good mm-hmm. line from Picard where it's like, she's like, well, how am I supposed to ignore my gut and follow orders? He goes, well, let me know if you ever find out. Cause I never did. And that works in two ways. Cause he never did. And that he never figured out that dichotomy and he never did. And mm-hmm. that, it's 50-50 whether Picard is going to follow orders or decide this was totally. a bridge too far and just lead a fucking insurrection against uh-huh. the Federation. So, like, he's a great... Because, like, you, you think he's, like, Picard's the the rule follower and all that. He did most of the time. <laughs> but every once in a while, he's like, nah, this, this, shit ain't, this, shit, this shit ain't it, Chief. 
Yeah, he'd Starfleet break the Prime and... Directive. He he would actively work against Starfleet. Yeah, I mean, I I I also look at like um yeah the the stuff with the neck slugs, right? Like all that stuff. He had to go against protocols. He had to break rules to to expose that stuff. Yeah, sure. He's he's not strictly a rule follower. True, and I that's uh, a nice that's a little nice callback to his career. It seems like. I wonder if we'll see Janeway this season, Kate Mulgrew. It seems like with the Janeway name drop and her like having convinced Seven, her and Picard have apparently convinced Seven to join Starfleet. Right. right. Um, that there's a good chance of that. Uh, I I want to say, look, they've in the trailer they've dropped so many names and shown so many of the old crew that it would kind of make sense to hold something in reserve and Janeway would be kind of perfect. Yeah. Same way they did like uh, Will Wheaton last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if Janeway shows up. It would be surprising me a lot of people show up, to be honest, like, because this is like the last hurrah. You know, this yeah. is like if you're on the Star Trek convention circuit, this is your this is a chance to get a check. I want to say uh, Tasha. Uh, it's been talked that Tasha is going to show up at some point. Well, it is. Yeah, there is. Everything's seemed to be preoccupied with the Romulan stuff. That would be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, Shaw wakes up to discover where they are, and he is pissed. Uh, the shuttle launches and heads into the nebula. Shaw, for some reason, forgets he has tractor beams that could stop them. I and kept instead... on thinking that <laughs> it's going to be really funny when they're beamed back into the ship. and uh... Yeah, transporters to yeah. anything. Uh, instead, he threatens Seven's career and demands a full report. I guess they're in like a literal hail a hailstorm that like maybe the sensors don't work very well. But like you get you're in visual range. You get a like, tractor on that chip for sure. Yeah, have have one of your chiefs lean their head out the main shuttle deck bay and just kind of eyeball the <laughs> tractor beam. Like you're good. You're yeah, good. three degrees to port. Shit, I'm at starboard. We tractored the nebula. We're dead. Oh no. <laughs> uh. Rafi then goes over the possibilities of the Red Lady Riddle. She eventually figures out that it's a statue that's about to be dedicated to Rachel Garrett during Frontier Day, I think. They're not, yep. they don't make this very explicit. They just kind of show you an image. You have to pause the, the video. It's not to really, really red. It. It's like a pink statue. It's like when you 3D print with red yes. filament, it's like kind of red, but not Muted. as red as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, like, so like this this Frontier Day, it's I didn't see it said two hundred celebrating two hundred fifty years of, and I'm assuming it's first contact Frontier Day. I think it's a recruitment thing, but it said it's, it's celebrating two hundred fifty years of, and it was behind it was in oh, Guinan's bar behind oh, Riker's oh. head, and I didn't see quite what it said. Uh, I couldn't see quite what it said, and I, I'm like, well, it's like hmm. it's got to be around first contact, and I'm like, it just it's I don't no, know this why the twenty fifth century and first contact happened in like twenty. 20- did it happen did it in happen 21 something? Does it happen in the 21st or 22nd years. century? Hmm. I thought it was a... It might even be the 21st century. Because when they go back in first contact to Zephram Cochrane, it wasn't that long into the future. Uh, Contact, year, Star Trek. When did this happen? First contact was not in 1996, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 2151 okay so this is the 22nd century the 25th century is actually the 2400s i actually think this could okay. be but I mean, it'd be it's 300 abs- years That's it, it makes maybe, the federation maybe. absurdly 
human centric. Like it's already kind of wild that we were Johnny come lately's and we get the, you know, the, the fucking home base of the Federation. Now you're celebrating frontier day is like when earth was first contacted. I don't know if you do know what they're, yeah. Like write us in at Picard at bald if, if you know what the, uh, fucking frontier day is. But, uh, yeah. uh, anyway, so, Oh, the other thing is, I it's have a kind problem. of, it's a hilarious situation that like Rafi's beating her brains about like, what's the red lady? Is it this? Is it a human? Is it a person? She's like, oh, I know. Computer, show mm-hmm. me a list of mm-hmm. all big events. Happening across the galaxy, the known mapped galaxy. What would that look like for just the state of Ohio in any given week? Uh-huh. Let alone this the whole world, let alone the alpha fucking <laughs> quadrant. Uh-huh. And she flips through three events and is like, by God. There, this is a, absurd. Absurd. It's so funny. It's so like, funny. The computer should have come back and said, define big because the parameters are too, right. too nebulous. Like, right. It, it, what is big? What is big? <laughs> Show me all big events happening in Cincinnati this weekend. I uh-huh. pff, I don't know. Is the beer fest a big event? Is the Rocco clown show a big event? They're having some kind of candlelight Beyonce via- violin concert at uh, Alt Shit, Park. Ba- is that <laughs> bald move? Did a twenty four hour groundhog stream? That's true. Move is that a big event? Stream. Is that a big event? Let me know because. Honestly, you're not going to like the results you get when you say, show me all events in the entire galaxy. Yeah, it's real In the funny. next few months. It's not even like this. It's not even today. It's not even right now. It's the next few months right. of the yeah. entire galaxy's alpha agenda. Quadr- yeah, if you say, okay, it's just the Alpha Quadrant. So it's not quite the whole galaxy, okay, but still. Fair. Just the Alpha Quadrant. One yeah. quarter of the galaxy <laughs> is what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Jesus. Absurd. Uh, yeah, so she races off to to the location of the statue, which I think is a recruitment office there on Imtaka District Seven, in, one district over. That's Imtalis. Yeah. Also, she's uh, got she the Lost Serena now, right? She's she's piloting. Uh-huh. Okay, that's what I thought. Are we going to see? Sure, yeah. Are we going to see what's his face's uh, a hologram ghosts this this season? Uh, Crystal Ball. Maybe he said he's not in it, so I doubt it. So just no holographic crew, just just one person doing this ship. No. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Elnor, Rios, or um. Oh, maybe it'll just be a bunch of hollow Rafis. Soji are in it. I want to see all the crazy Rafi okay. variations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she she turns out uh, she gets there too late, right? Um, mm-hmm. The. Or- is this an inside job? Because I thought it was wild that she is a Starfleet officer hailing a Starfleet post and cannot get a single response. Like, not like, just one minute, we're busy, or we got you on land, or just like, I get, like, maybe not the response, but, like, she gets nothing. Yeah, like, his comms are being jammed there. Yeah. It seems. I, I wonder if this is, like, I I was thinking inside job. Could be. Definitely could be. Um yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, this is part of the mystery, right? Uh, yeah. We we see this Starfleet recruitment office fall through the ground, drop out of the sky. It's a really cool effect. It really is. Uh, we get, definitely have a portal now. situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we go back over to Picard and Riker. They arrive at the location of Beverly's ship. They scan it, find Beverly on board, but injured as well as another person. 
They board the ship. They find evidence of a battle. Beverly's in a stasis pod, and somebody gets the drop on Riker. Picard talks the guy down, and it turns out this is Beverly's son. And then a new, very large ship warps in. Very scary-looking ship. Do you know Jonathan Frakes' old show, Beyond Belief? Uh, sure. I've, it's like, I've it's like, seen it around. I've never really watched it, though. It's like Ripley's Believe It or Not, where he introduces uh-huh. the concept. Like, you know, did you know that uh, during a tornado, toilets could flash backwards? When he said, have you ever seen ashes like this from a phaser fire? He enunciated exactly like he was introducing one of his old <laughs> Beyond Belief episodes. It just nice. made me crack up. I wonder if he did it on purpose. He might have. Have you I ever mean, seen ashes like this from a phaser fire? Some people say they're just a myth. And he just launches <laughs> into whatever. And, uh, and a follow-on question. Have you ever tasted ashes from phaser fire? Because <laughs> he puts his hand deep into these human, oh, yeah. not human, the, these sentient being remains. And is like rubbing them between his fingers as if that's going to tell him anything. Yeah, well, it's a phaser ash. You Point can tell a fucking a good... tricorder at it, man. You'll have more. You'll have more luck. You, you, you're gonna have a, you can tell the difference between a disruptor and a disintegration just by the feel of the ashes. Uh, did you recognize this kid that they find? A suspiciously twenty-year-old-looking kid. God, he looks familiar, but no, I couldn't place him. He's Jimmy from like the middle seasons of Downton Abbey. Their new butler boy. The kind of like. Thomas takes a shine to and they have a misunderstanding okay. and that being best friends. His name's Ed Spielers. I stopped watching around that time. So I probably only saw him a few episodes, but okay. Um, yeah. And I thought it's really funny that they gave him really conspicuously British dialogue. You know, he right. had like a slight British accent. I thought I was picking up. And then like his last two lines, the Riker were like essentially, Oi gov. You had to come up all of a Tuesday in it. It's like, okay. <laughs> all right. He's really British. Boy, <laughs> Which, I didn't notice he's, it, but yeah, yeah. If he's Picard's, if he's Picard's, if he's Picard's son, he's supposed to be French. Okay. Anyway, I do want to know why Beverly's playing John Luke's twenty-year-old mixtape. This this is confusing me, especially that's her boy. What well, is her boy? Like that's like you know playing your old boyfriend's tunes. That's got to be weird for you, especially like they've been attacked. They're on the run. You're yeah. listening to nostalgic sex tapes that you're. She locked him in stasis, and then he got out of stasis and put herself in stasis. I I don't know. Because they make a point that he put her into the cryo chamber. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but that's the setup for the I season. I, I, did you also think it's funny when uh, like Picard's like, just lower your weapons. It's going to be okay. And the second he does, Riker just immediately elbow smashes yeah. his face. Like, last that's time so you listen Riker. to us, kids, you dumbass. Never drop the gun when mm-hmm. you got to beat on somebody. Oh, and one he's, last thing. He's talking him down isn't like you don't want to do this and here are the reasons why. It's more like I forget the exact tone of it, but I was not getting the impression that this kid should be talked down by what Picard says to him. Right. Do you remember exactly what he said? Uh, he's saying like, oh, that's Beverly and she's in a frozen tube and the controls are on the outside, about which her. means you care about her and I care about her too. And then that's about but as far as he never you says I care Riker. about her too. He, right. That's the thing. He says, which means you care about her. And he's like, that's you're only, right, that's... I do. I guess I won't hold this man hostage. Why? Yes, that's only the kind of pillow talk you give to your Romulan side piece, I guess. Oh, you yeah. Know, talking about how much you care about Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that's the setup. We're we're I so let's what are the odds that this is this is we know it's Beverly's son. What are the odds it's also Picard's son? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good odds. In real life, this guy's like thirty-two, TNG. but I'm pretty sure you're you're supposed to read him as twenty. It, when did they actually hook up in TNG? I'm trying because I know they I don't went think on a they date. ever hook up. Right, that's the thing. So when did he? When did this child get conceived? I guess twenty years ago, which is like right after the last movie. It's right after the last movie. I think so. So they had a fling, and then she stopped communicating. Was it that bad? That's what Was I'm it saying. That bad? That's what I'm saying. They they had sex the one time. He knocked her up, and she's like, "Fuck this, I'm out." And and, and proxy fuck everybody else who was part of the TNG crew. <laughs> Your sex was so bad, Picard, that I'm not talking to any of you fuckers again. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, the stink is so bad off that that you lose your whole friend group. You served you served Jesus. a lifetime with these people in the Starfleet, and then uh-huh. you're like, yeah. I don't know. I eh, boy, I hope they have satisfying answers because like they that's some shit. Something that like would turn Beverly away from them for 20 years. All of them. Right. Like all of them. Even Deanna that you used to tell like morning after stories and stretch yoga with, you know. Oh, what if this is is it Shinzon? Who who was the Picard clone? Is, yeah. is this Shinzon's kid? Did she sleep with Shinzon? Oh my god. And she doesn't want the crew to know she's ashamed of it. Maybe that's she doesn't want the crew to know she slept with the card. Do you want to give them the satisfaction? I mean, You've been will they wanting us for 20 years. I'm not let you, I'm not right. going to give you the satisfaction. And then you're going to sleep together off screen. How dare you? Mm. Mm. And he said also, well, I guess you could say, cause he's like, when you guys were tried to be lovers, Oh, emphasis on tried. I guess having sex could be attempts to try being lovers like you know it's like it's not like yeah. you know it's like you tried to make it work not like you tried physically to make love and you just missed <laughs> just never sure. could quite make it work with her uh-huh um yeah all right uh one other thing i gotta say is if you are the type of person to skip through credit sequences Boy, I really recommend at least one time looking at the glorious post credits or not the post credits, I guess the actual credits, because they're all done in these amazing recreations of Lycar screens and they're showing ship mm-hmm. readouts and engine schematics and DNA scans and holodeck, holodeck light loading screens and damage reports and flight patterns in and out of star bases. And it's all done to the TNG original theme. Do you think any of it's relevant to the plot? Because there's, I noticed at one point there's a text file I was accessing and it had like in big letters, do not seek blame, do not seek anger. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's maybe, maybe there are going to be some hints of what's to come uh, maybe. in this credit scene. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to check them out for at least a couple episodes. Really cool though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the new music. I'm, I'm, Look, I don't want to shit on the man too much. I have not enjoyed Jeff Russo's music throughout this series and the other sci-fi stuff he's done. Uh, primarily, I some of his stuff I like, but I'm glad to have some more original style music back. Yeah, I, ho- I hope they don't just like completely run back the theme of the mm. next generation because that's mm-hmm. feels a, a little too much. But yeah, if they can be inspired by the Goldsmith stuff, uh, I'll be happy. Uh, that'll do. Again, I do not think the feedback's going to be a big part of our show. We are going to... Uh, Picard's 
actually overlapping a ton of other podcasts we're doing. And I just don't think we'll have time, but we might have some places, um, I don't know, at the end of the season or maybe if we have time throughout uh, or, you know, if you want to like, let me know some stuff I can bring into the show notes, that would be cool too. Picard at baldmove.com. Uh, you got a, a, a hot theory about phaser ashes or I don't know whether mm-hmm. you can have classes change without changing classes. Uh, Picard at baldmove.com. Otherwise, we'll be back the next time a new Star Trek Picard episode drops, uh, probably Thursday night. Uh, Thank you for listening. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week.